Good evening and a really warm welcome to Romford Baptist Church this evening, this Palm Sunday evening. From the book of Zephaniah we read these words from Zephaniah chapter 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. As we gather to celebrate this Palm Sunday and to look at more of the Easter week story, we are gathering around the scriptures and in the presence of God, whether we're in our own homes or with friends or family or wherever we are at this time watching this service. You are really welcome. My name is Ian. I'm one of the ministers of the church here and Jan will be bringing God's word to us later in the service. Let us pray. Humble and riding a donkey, we greet you. Acclaimed by crowds and caroled by children, we cheer you. Moving from peace of the countryside to corridors of power, we salute you, Christ our Lord. You are giving the beast of burden a new dignity. You are giving majesty a new face. You are giving those who long for redemption a new song to sing. With them, with heart and voice, we shout, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And our first song picks this theme up, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. And Lord, we want to lift your name on high. From Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Hosanna to God. Hosanna in the highest. Let Israel say his love endures forever. And all who fear God say his love endures forever. Hosanna to God. Hosanna in the highest. With the Lord on our side, what can we fear? What can humankind do? Hosanna to God. Hosanna in the highest. We shall triumph over those who surround us and stand in confidence in the Lord our God. Hosanna to God. Hosanna in the highest. The Lord is our strength and our might. The Lord has become our salvation. Hosanna to God. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to God. Hosanna in the highest. And we continue as we proclaim Jesus King, King of Kings, Majesty. And we pray a prayer of confession. O Lord, who on this day entered the rebellious city that later rejected you, we confess that our wills are as rebellious as Jerusalem's, that our faith is often more show than substance, that our hearts are in need of cleansing. Have mercy on us, Son of David, Saviour of our lives. Help us to lay at your feet all that we have and all that we are, trusting you to forgive what is sinful, to heal what is broken, to welcome our praises and to receive us as your own. Amen. 
I hope you have received this week's notice sheet. This is Holy Week and there's quite a bit more going on than normal. Please do look at the resources for the children and young people that Hannah has put there. Let me remind you that on Tuesday we have our regular prayer meeting, on Wednesday we have our wellbeing course and it'd be great to see you at those. The links are on the notice sheet. On Thursday we will have a special service online only where we will be remembering the Maundy Thursday events and Vicky will be leading that service. On Good Friday at 10.30 in the church, if you wish to come, but it will also be online, is our Good Friday service. And you will be welcome to that. There may be, depending on government guidelines, a possibility we do something outside, but we don't know that yet. And we will keep an eye on that. Thank you to those who have been faithfully given the offerings through the plates, uh, or through the boxes in the church, dropping them in as they come into the church, through the online giving, through the church app, directly through the banks, or now you can also do it using your card as you come into church, using our contactless payment facility. Thank you to all who have done that. Let's bring our thanks to God for that, and then we will be having our prayers of intercession. Lord, we thank you for all that we have and all that you have given to us. The gifts that you have endowed with us, the resources we have for your purpose. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you will take our gifts and that you will use them for your glory. That Jesus, your name will be glorified as the resources are used to make you known in word, in action and in deed. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray to you, Lord of palm branches and the cross, for your understanding us and in love you have promised not to push away anyone who comes to you. So Lord, we pray for people who feel pushed away, pushed away from living the faith in Jesus by pressure from friends and family. Those who feel pushed away by other people in churches if they do not share the same kind of ideas, ways or clothes. For people who are pushed out by those who want power, those main love to be noticed, to have control. We pray for your church that all those who trust in Jesus may be able by your spirit to follow his humility, to see and imitate his servant life, to welcome and not condemn. Help your church to be like Jesus, to pray to you, Lord of palm branches and the cross, for you know the warm glow of being praised and the loneliness of being hated. We pray for world leaders, Quick to stand in the limelight of taking decisions which affect everyone in the world, but slow at times to do the steady, less glamorous work to which they are called. We pray for world leaders to understand their role to serve the people of the world. That posturing will be replaced by practical action to make a difference and jockeying for position replaced by genuine efforts to feed the hungry, 
clothe the naked, care for those who are weak. In the days when food banks are required in our land to feed families who struggle to provide for basics of life, we ask that you will rearrange the priorities and help us to live more like Jesus. We pray to you, Lord of palm branches and the cross, because you know how quickly life changes to death. We pray for those who have recently lost those whom they have loved. In the shock, confusion, pain and sorrow, especially of unexpected loss, we pray for hearts to be open to the comfort of your spirit, shown through friendship and community as deep calls to deep. We remember those who we know who mourn in these days, who need to be sure that you invite those in sorrow to turn to you. In the name of Jesus, we name them before you right now. We ask, grace of God of grace, that you will make us more like some of the crowd, that when we follow Jesus and give him our praise in the way we live, that we will turn away from wrong and evil and stand on the master's side, that we will be faithful in worshipping the one who has come in the Lord's name. Through our singing, our worship, our prayers, our attention, in giving our skills and times and means through the days of our lives, and in the offering which we now make, we pray, Lord, that you will take us and you will use us. Bless, we pray, all that we give to you, into your glory and the good of many. Through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord and Saviour of all. And we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our next song, Here I Am. Our scripture reading this evening is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, starting to read at verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here a while while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, make this cup, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you, not, could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray 
so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Then he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Before Jan comes to open God's word to us, we have that song, Hungary. It was dark with only low lights from the corridor outside shining in through the half-closed windows. The many monitors adding dancing shadows to the gloom and providing the constant background noise of bleeping. Sometimes the bleeping would change to an alarm and the nurses would quickly come in to check pulse, to check the oxygen, to change a drip or the morphine drug pump. Each hour the nurses would come in and minister more drugs into my daughter's arm, which in each time would wake her up with pain and cry, cause her to cry. That first night following her surgery was long. It was heart-wrenching. It was bleak, lonely, exhausting. But in it there was also hope. The surgery was complete. We were beginning that road to recovery. Every moment, every hour was a step closer to health and getting home. Most of us, I'm sure, have had those long, dark nights. Maybe with a sick child. Maybe a huge worry keeping you awake. Sitting with a loved one in their final hours. There's endless reasons that take us on these dark paths and the nights always seem the worst, don't they? Left alone with our thoughts, with our fears, our pains, our heartaches. And that final night for Jesus was dark. He took his disciples out with him as they trod the well-trodden paths to Gethsemane. Leaving the majority of his team at the edge, he took just his closest friends deeper into the garden. Peter... James and John. Now, as a small intimate group, Jesus lets his guard down and it says that he began to be sorrowful and troubled. I wonder what Peter, James and John did. Was it common in those days for men to, in their culture to show their depth of emotion? Would they have been comfortable seeing Jesus cry? Maybe would they have joined in with him? Or would they have been more like a Brit? a stiff upper lip, a man's man, uncomfortable with anybody crying near them, especially another man. I imagine regardless of culture, it must have been extremely distressing and somewhat unnerving for the close friends of Jesus that night to see him in such a tormented state. And he says to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus knew what was ahead of him. He knew, but the disciples didn't. Although they had a little idea of what Jesus had said to them would lay ahead, they didn't really understand. 
They didn't want to believe that what Jesus had said would really take place. They planned to protect him, to fight for him, to maybe even make plans between themselves of how they could escape with Jesus. And I'm sure following the triumphal entry, they at least thought that the vast majority of ordinary people were on their side. Surely Jesus wasn't really approaching his death. I imagine that night of Gethsemane must have been extremely disturbing for them. Seeing their friend in such torment must have just twisted their hearts inside them. As Jesus asks them to stay and keep watch, whilst he goes in a little further, I wonder what their conversation was. A steady hand on the shoulder of each other, just that need for physical touch, that support. My goodness, Jesus is really upset. What should we do? I wonder if they turned to prayer themselves. I imagine they would have. But the hour was late. The tension and anticipation had been high for days. And as the adrenaline settled down in their bodies, they find themselves struggling to focus on their prayers. Maybe they got to their feet for a while. But soon they sat back down again with their friends because the night was dark. The tree roots made the floor beneath them rough. The branches around them their faces was dangerous. Sitting down again to pray, maybe leaning back against a tree or maybe prostrate on the floor, they find their minds drifting, their eyes and brains fogging over until each one has succumbed to the exhaustion of the hour. They're awakened to the voice of their wonderful friend, the man that they so loved, the man they so want to support, reprimanding them. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? And he asked them, looking specifically at Peter. Poor Peter, the man who was so full on for Christ, the impulsive man, the man full of energy, bursting with enthusiasm, the feet first man. How Peter's heart must have been wrenched at that hour. As he watched and wanted to be there for Jesus, but had gone and fallen asleep. And what of John, Jesus' best friend? How awful must these three men have felt that night as the next words of Jesus summed up their situation succinctly and completely. Watch and pray, said Jesus, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Oh, Jesus, dear Jesus, we so want to be here for you. We love you. We can't bear to see you like this. We are utterly willing. Please forgive us. We don't know what happened. We must have nodded off whilst praying. As Jesus goes away for a second time, we realise that these, his closest friends, must have been keeping a pretty close watch on him because they're able to record his prayers. They record his pain, his pleas to his father, the tears that fell. You can imagine them in the shadows, checking in on Jesus from time to time, knowing that he wants them near, but equally knowing that they mustn't disturb him. You can imagine them this second time, getting back on their feet, determined to do everything to stay awake. But soon they once again sit down. Their eyes get heavy. They move positions desperate in spirit to keep on watching and praying, but soon their physical needs consume them and they once again fall asleep. 
One of them must have become aware of Jesus returning again because it's recorded in verse 43 that he came back and found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Someone woke up long enough to know this happened, to hear Jesus' footsteps, to hear him approach them, only to return and to begin praying again the same prayers. Maybe following this, at least one of them managed to wake up a little to keep watch over his friend, because when Jesus returns the final time, he asks them, are you still sleeping and resting? Maybe one or two of them were sitting up by then. Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Oh no, Jesus, we didn't mean to fall asleep. We love you. We wanted to support you this night, these hours. What have we done? How could we have fallen asleep when our dearest friend needed us so much? The horror of what has happened, of how they've been of such little support to their Lord, must have been sickening. They've let him down when they, he needed them so much. And not just these three, but what of the other disciples who have been left in a different area of the garden? Had they prayed? Or were they just chatting? Or had they fallen asleep? Eleven men with their Lord. Eleven men on the final night. Eleven men who believed that the man they loved was the Messiah. Eleven men living through a horrible night, witnessing the pain, the struggles, the suffering of their dearest friend. Eleven men who were utterly human. I wonder what the lasting impact of that final night was on their lives. We know that during Jesus' arrest, there was a moment when at least one of them tried to protect Jesus with his sword. You can imagine a sense of fear suddenly rushing through the group as suddenly they're surrounded by a big group of leaders and soldiers. And Judas. Judas, their friend. What betrayal. The emotions of surprise, confusion, fear, anger, terror and then the worst happens Jesus is arrested and they all flee for their lives in a moment of utter panic later we know that at least Peter followed at a distance only to deny Jesus three times what a night it had been they've gone from sharing the Passover meal together that final supper with all its memories then head into the garden where Jesus is overcome with sorrow and grief. But the disciples couldn't keep their eyes open to then the bewilderment and fear of his arrest. A dark night. Looking back, they must have needed each other to try to make sense of that night. A night of intense emotions, of love at the start, of peace, enjoyment to tiredness, compassion, concern, exhaustion, surprise, fear, terror, anger, confusion. Such a long, hard night, and that their final night with their Lord. We later find the disciples hiding in the upper room, afraid of what might happen following Jesus' death. 
I wonder if well as fear there were also regrets from that final night. Why didn't we stop Judas? Why couldn't we stay awake? Why didn't we support Jesus better? Why didn't we fight properly to stop them from taking Jesus? Why didn't we make Jesus run away? Why did we all run away and leave him? Endless questions and a horrible sense of blame and having let Jesus down. But there was good to come from that night in the garden. Once they'd met the risen Lord, they realised his love for them and that it was still very much intact. He still loved them. He completely forgave them. He wasn't angry with them. That dark night in the garden must have taught them so many lessons and I'm sure was used to hone them into the men that they were then going to be for the rest of their lives. They realised that they could step up a gear. They realised they could utilise their spirit and God's Holy Spirit living in them to overcome the weaknesses of the flesh. This night in the garden, it reminds me of that beautiful passage that we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me read a few verses to you. It says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. They're lovely words, aren't they? Words that I often hold on to. We face many metaphorical dark nights in our lives. But like the disciples, we aren't alone in those nights. Jesus is there. Sometimes it may feel as though God is far off, but he isn't. Sometimes we may feel angry with God that we're living in the situation that we are, but he doesn't respond back in anger. He always loves us. He is with us. He does care. He knows and understands our pain and our fears, and he wants to hold us tight and to carry us through. What a special saviour we have. Sometimes we may feel crushed, so exhausted by our situation that we don't even have the energy or ability to pray. But God knows. He understands. And at times like that, we can rest assured that Jesus himself is interceding for us. In Romans chapter 8, verses 34 to 39, it says this about how he is there and he's interceding for us. Isn't that just incredible? We are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Jesus himself is interceding for us. When we are weak, when we are struggling, Jesus is interceding. Because our Saviour lived on earth as a man, we can be assured that he understands our frailty, just as he understood the frailty of his friends in the garden that night. In the dark nights of our lives, of which we will have some, let's not be turned away from God because of the awfulness of those times. Instead, let's lean into him. 
Let's know his presence. Let's know that we can rest in him and that he cares for us. Know that God is in control and that through him we are more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. The garden that night was really all about Jesus and the horrific suffering and sorrow that he was facing, the pain, the fear, the need to know that God's will was absolutely fully and completely being done. But in that garden were also many life lessons for his disciples and therefore many life lessons for us as his disciples now. The words of that hymn come to mind. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a saviour. We're going to continue in our worship as we sing that, recalling in our minds that garden that night and how Christ in his sorrow, in his pain, was there for his disciples too as he is for us tonight. Amen. Indeed, hallelujah, what a saviour. We're so grateful tonight for our God who suffered so much for us and yet is there for us today. Regardless of the dark nights that we face, our God holds out his hands and he says, come, he intercedes for us, he loves us. Hallelujah, what a saviour. And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you tonight and always. Amen. <laughs>